Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. A few hours earlier today, in our congregation, we had a service of worship in which we praised the living God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the great gift that was bestowed on the church on a day we call Pentecost. I've been thinking about this for several days, and I thought it would be very helpful if we just considered the ministry of the Holy Spirit according to Jesus. You understand that before Jesus went to the cross, he spent many hours with the twelve preparing them for what was to come. And John records this narrative for us in his gospel in chapters 13 through 17. Perhaps you remember those chapters. It begins with Jesus desiring once again to have the Passover meal with his disciples. And he says, loved, he loved his own that were in the world and he loved them until the end. And also in that chapter, he washes his disciples' feet and he gives them a new commandment. And that new commandment was that they love one another as I have loved you. But in the midst of all these words and actions of Jesus, he was trying to prepare his disciples for what was going to happen. On the cross, he was going to be put to death after he was betrayed by one of them that was at the table. But following that, he was going to go away. He would be buried. But he said, I'll only be gone for a little while, and then you'll see me again. That's a prophecy of his resurrection that occurred on the third day. But then he said to them, I'm going back to my father and I must go back to my father or I cannot send to you the other comforter, the helper, the paraclete, whom I will send to you from the father. It's for your advantage, therefore, that I go away. Now, some of these words at that time were a little bit over the head of the disciples. They didn't quite grasp everything that Jesus was saying, but he was laying the foundation for them of what and how they would manage the few hours that would happen when he was put to death on the cross, buried in the grave, and then they would see him after his resurrection from the dead. So let's look at the ministry of the Holy Spirit according to Jesus found in these verses of Scripture in John chapter 15 and 16 specifically. For you see, one of the major emphases of Jesus in preparing the disciples was the coming of the Holy Spirit, which Jesus said would happen only after he went away, only after he returned to the Father. Now on the day of Pentecost, recorded, recorded for us in Acts chapter 2, the scriptures tell us that the ascended Christ sent the Spirit upon his waiting disciples. This is found in Acts 2.33, where Peter declared that the ascended Christ, who's returned to the Father, has poured forth this which you now see and hear in what was happening to the disciples. But in John chapter 16, in verse 5, Jesus said, I'm going to him who sent me, and it's to your advantage then I go away. If I don't, the helper, the comforter, won't come. But if I go, I will send him. 
Now, you know, when Jesus said those words, his disciples were saying to themselves, how can it be to our advantage for you to leave us? Will you leave us as orphans in this world? And Christ said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will send the Holy Spirit to you. Now, why was it to their advantage that he go away? Well, so that they would receive the outpoured Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father in the new covenant recorded in many of the prophecies of old and that Jesus himself renews for them in his discourse. You see, Jesus in the days of his incarnation was only in one place at one time. But when he was raised from the dead and ascended back to the Father, he can send the Holy Spirit who will come in his name and the Holy Spirit can be all over at any one place conveying the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And Peter, in his Pentecost Day sermon, declared that Jesus himself was not abandoned to the dead. He wasn't left in Hades or Sheol, but that God had raised him from the dead on the third day. And now, having ascended to heaven, he had poured forth the Holy Spirit upon them. So the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost as promised by the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and recorded for us by Luke in Acts chapter 2. Now, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is extremely important, and we must listen to Jesus' own description of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I fear sometimes in our day we have misconstrued the true meaning of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is not primarily to show signs and wonders in the church. The great wonder that the Holy Spirit does, a principle above all others, is to regenerate dead sinners so that they can recognize who Jesus Christ is and come to true and saving faith in him. Jesus would talk about that in his remarks in John chapter 16. But we must remember that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is extremely important. And we must pay attention to Jesus' own description of the ministry of this holy person, their paraclete. We find this in several places in the upper room discourse. Here's some of the key verses. Listen, John chapter 15 in verse 28. When the comforter, the paraclete, the helper, the one who comes alongside, when he comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. In John chapter 16, verse 14, Jesus says to the Holy Spirit, he will glorify me because he will take what is mine and will declare it to you. One of the major reasons that Jesus chose the 12 apostles is that they were eyewitnesses of his person and his ministry. From the time of his inauguration of his ministry in the baptism by John in the Jordan until the day he was ascended into heaven in the sight of those 12 apostles. The apostolic witness to Christ's person and ministry to his teachings and his deeds, is made certain by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says this in John chapter 14 and verse 28. The Comforter, whom I will send to you, 
whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Do you understand what he's saying? He's saying, you are my chosen witnesses. You have been with me. You've heard my teachings. You've seen the miracles. You've witnessed my credentials as being the Messiah. But this is not enough. I will also send the Holy Spirit to you who will bring to your remembrance the things that I've taught, the things that I did, and how I interpreted them so that you can write down a record of them so that men and women in all future generations can know of my ministry and can come to understand who I am. When the Holy Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Jesus was speaking, first of all, and primarily to the 12 apostles and their associates that were with him in the upper room. Now, we can have an application of that even to our day as we read the scriptures. But its primary meaning and primary fulfillment was in how the Holy Spirit worked with these apostles to bring to their remembrance the things that Jesus taught, the things he did, and the interpretation he placed upon them so that we would have the reliable word of God recorded to us in the New Covenant Scriptures, what we call the New Testament. The Holy Spirit himself is the one who guides these human authors and their associates to produce this sacred written word. It's the sure word of God. The New Covenant Scriptures, what we call the New Testament, are a product of the joint ministry of the Holy Spirit and the apostles that Jesus Christ chose as his eyewitnesses. So you see, one of the major ministries if not the major ministry of the Holy Spirit, is to glorify Jesus. He doesn't come to exalt himself. He doesn't come to exalt his gifts. He comes to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is very concerned that the Lord Jesus Christ receive the glory that is his due and that men and women and children come to acknowledge who Jesus of Nazareth truly is. Now, Jesus gets a little more specific of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in some remarks that he makes in John chapter 16, in verses 8 through 11. This is what Jesus said, beginning at verse 7. He says, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the comforter, the paraclete will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you you. All right. And when he comes, he will do three primary things. He will convict the world concerning sin. He'll convict the world concerning righteousness. He'll convict concerning judgment. And then Jesus specifies what each one of these entails. Let's listen to what he says. He will convict concerning sin. He's going to bring about conviction of sin. But there's a particular sin that Jesus is focusing on. It's not the usual sins. You, you might know some of the Ten Commandments, and suddenly some of those have within them moral principles. You should not commit murder. 
That's what he means when he says you shall not kill. You shall not intentionally take the life of another human being. You shall not lie. You shall be sexually faithful. All of these commandments, many of them are reflected in what, uh, what's written on the conscience of men. Not all of them, but some of them are. But those, those sins that we recognize, we recognize them in our own selves. We recognize them from the teaching of the church and from the teachings of the scripture. But here's the sin that the Holy Spirit is primarily interested in convicting us of. He convicts men and women of the fact that they do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He will convict concerning sin because people do not believe in me. It's the Holy Spirit that brings to your understanding that you've not truly trusted, embraced Christ in saving faith. So his first job is to convict of the sin of unbelief in Jesus as God's Messiah, the Savior of the world and the Lord. Secondly, he convicts concerning righteousness. And then Jesus says these words, because I go to the Father. So Jesus going to the Father means he must be resurrected from the dead and that he must ascend into heaven back to the Father from where he came. Now, what does all this mean? Well, Paul, in Romans chapter 1, opens this up for us in his opening remarks to the Christians at Rome. He writes, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, the Holy Writings. He means concerning this, the writings of the law and the prophets of the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, better called the First Testament, and the New Testament writings themselves that were being produced at the time Paul was writing this letter, which happens to be one of those inspired letters, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh. That's Jesus Christ himself, descended from David through Mary and through the legal father of Joseph, okay? Declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Did you hear that? The righteousness of Jesus Christ is declared to be a reality because of his resurrection from the dead. When God the Father raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead in the power of the Holy Spirit, this was a declaration that Jesus Christ had made the atoning sacrifice for the sins of his people and that having taken away the judgment that was against his people, he now, the holy, sinless, righteous Son of God, is raised from the dead and that certifies that he is who he claimed to be and that he did what he came to do that he came to rescue sinners by bearing their atonement in his own body on the tree and having purged away the punishment that was due them. He now, the righteous son of God, is raised from the dead and his righteousness can be applied to sinners 
who call upon his name and believe in him as the Savior. So first, the Holy Spirit convicts of the sin of unbelief of the Messiah. And second, he testifies and convicts concerning the righteousness that belongs to Jesus Christ that's verified by his resurrection from the dead and his ascension into heaven. These actions declare that Jesus is the Son of the living God. This is what the gospel is concerning. It concerns Jesus, the Son of God, and this is made so by the Spirit of holiness by which he was resurrected from the dead. The fact that Jesus was raised from the dead concerns sinners because, you see, if Jesus was not raised from the dead, then sinners are still in their sin and they will perish everlastingly. But his resurrection of the dead says that his atoning sacrifice was complete in itself. Our sins can be taken away and Christ's righteousness can be given to us. It can be imputed to us. And lastly, he comes concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 12 and verse 37. <coughs> Excuse me. Now is the judgment of this world. <coughs> Satan is cast out. Now that's proven by Christ's own descent into the realm of the dead between his crucifixion and his resurrection. And it's asserted in his ascension to heaven where Paul records in Ephesians that he led captivity captives as he returned to the Father in heaven. And Jesus says, in reference to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, when, when I, Jesus is speaking, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to me. Now, how does that happen? Well, it happens through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, whose primary job, whose primary mission is to testify to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of sinners. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights. May the Lord Jesus Christ himself and the power of the Holy Spirit make very real to you who he is of what he has done for your salvation.